Right, um, it's Christmas time. In the beginning, you know, when it became Christmas, I just said, oh Lord, it's just such a commercial rubbish and, and everything. This should not actually be, it's not even the day that Jesus was really born and the whole thing. But as I matured, I thank God for Christmas. Because it's the proclamation of the birth of Christ all over the world. Where people have got a radio or a television or any form of communication, they know 25th of December, the, 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 the Christians say, the Son of God was born, who takes away the sin of the whole world. Amen. And that is a wonderful, wonderful thing. It's just a time where I am mindful of Jesus, mindful of, of, of God that became a human being. And I want to just read a little bit about that in um, Isaiah 9. Isaiah 9. <clears throat> Let's read from verse 4. Verse 3. Father, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for everybody that is here. Father, I just feel your love for your people. Thank you, my God, that we could have gone on this trip. Thank you that Roderick was blessed. He could preach so many messages and see people's lives impacted. I could preach and see people's lives changed. Thank you, my God, that we can know that you love us, that you care for us. And Father, as I preach this message, Holy Spirit, just I thank you that you empower me to preach it in a simple, powerful way that people can go home and this Christmas season be so happy as they just hear about Jesus and the whole nativity story. Thank you, my God. Amen. Right, uh, Isaiah 9 and verse 3. It says, Thou hast multiplied the nation. And now it says in the King James here, not increased the joy. But there's a little T there explaining to me here that that is a wrong, wrong translation. It talks about the coming of Jesus. It says, Thou hast that multiplied the nation and increased the joy. Now, um, the only reason why I can think that the translators of the King James would say not increase the joy is many people were in tradition and when Jesus came, He multiplied the nations. In other words, there was only one nation always, which was the nation Israel. And then He came and multiplied that and said, everybody is the people of God and not just one nation. And therefore, He did not multiply joy. Because the, the, the Jews then said, no, I don't want to, you know, I, 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 I'm not happy about this. Okay, now I'm not going to preach about the Jewish thing now, but just to tell you why I think they could have said this. You have multiplied the nations and increased the joy. The, uh, um, they joy before thee according to the joy in harvest, and as men rejoice when they divide the spoils. For thou hast broken the yoke of his burden, and the staff of his shoulder the rod of the oppressor as in the day of Midian for every battle of the warriors with confused noise and garments rolled in blood but this shall be with burning of fuel and fire for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor the mighty God the everlasting father the prince of peace hallelujah isn't that just awesome so what he says here is, a, a, a child has been born, but a son was given unto us. So there was a time when a, when a child was born, his name was Jesus. Then he became a son. He was baptized by John. 
you know, his sonship came forth and he came to rule and reign and bring a new judgment over the earth. And he judged and in him was judged the son of the whole world and God gave us, gave unto us a son wherein we identify with God. So, we cannot come to God on the foundation of we are just God's slaves, we are just God's servants, we've got a different point of uh, um, reference with God, God looks at us as sons. We're not going to become sons one day, we are the sons of God. The Bible says those that are under the law, they are children, but we are sons, we that has been set free from the condemnation of the law. We are sons. A son is a co-heir that has got the full inheritance, the signing right on the check. That's a son. And God comes and He says, I relate to you as sons, not as children, as sons. So He says, a, a, a child was given, Jesus Christ was a child, He came in as a child, a man under the law, but then He, he inherited what God promised him, which was eternal life in human flesh, and then we became co-heirs with Christ through him. Now, I want to just go to verse, verse 4 here. It says, You have broken the yoke of, of his burden, and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. So what he says here, he says, um, When Jesus was born, there was a yoke upon our shoulders a yoke upon the shoulders of men, and there was an oppressor oppressing people. And we know today that that oppression was the law system and condemnation and judgment. And that was on the backs of people. But Jesus Christ came and broke that rod, the rod of the oppressor. And he says, and now they rejoice, not with a normal joy or a normal rejoicing, but as in the joy of harvest, in the day when you share the spoil. Okay, so the joy that we have is not a joy of what God will do for us. It's not a, a, a joy of what is going to happen. It is the joy as in the day of the harvest. Amen. Listen, there's a difference between the joy when you plant and the joy when you harvest. I remember when I planted watermelons and I planted cabbage and all those things. When I planted cabbage, I would call my wife and say, get in the car. And we would go out and look at the 30,000 cabbage plants, you know, perfectly lined up. Not one, and man, I tell you, I, I always had those fields so clean, you wouldn't get any, what, what's on crate? Any weeds there, nothing, clean. And we would just ride and we had such a joy, you know. It took, it took us two weeks, we've got the stuff in the ground, hallelujah, and we were happy. But then three and a half months later, four months later, we drive through that same cabbage field and it's time for harvest. And there's a different joy. Because what can happen to this harvest now? Nothing. The worms that wanted to eat it, cannot eat it anymore. Animals that could destroy it, it's all over. We are harvesting today. Amen. And that is a different joy. It is the receiving of the reward of all your hard labor. Amen. Now it says, this is what it says, it says that we were under an oppressor, under hard labor, hard work, trying to please God. But then when Jesus was born, that was broken off our backs, and now we rejoice as in the day of harvest. 
So we are rejoicing like somebody that has done everything perfect, that kept all the pests and, and all those things away, but th- that, that had all the things sprayed that needed to be done, and the weeds were taken out, and you're having a good harvest. You've worked, and now you deserve a very good harvest. It says that we rejoice as the man that enters into the harvest. Hallelujah. Why? Because he labored for us. And we are entering into His harvest. And then, and then I like what it says there. As in the day when the spoils get divided. So there's two things. Spoils talks about, remember Melchizedek? And Abraham went, he made war, and there was the spoils. So there was a war. Then after the war, where you had to give your life, you could die in that war. Where you had to give the lives of your family, your sons, to go and fight in a war. Where to give your own life. Risk your own life to go and fight to win a battle against the enemy. And then if you win, you'll have the spoils of that enemy. Amen. Now it says that when Jesus was born, we rejoice as in the day when we've conquered the enemy fully to the point that we've stripped him of everything he has and we are dividing the spoils. And what he came and stripped from us is health. He came and stripped from us peace. He came and stripped from us righteousness as a free gift. He came and stripped from us perfection because of the creation of God. He stripped all of that from man. He stripped Adam from that. Adam was in the very image of God. He was in the likeness of God. He he had all provision. He was righteous by the doing of God. He was holy by the doing of God. All of that. Adam was all of that. And the enemy stripped him from that. Then Jesus, when he was born, a child was born, a son was given, and we rejoice as in the day of the sharing of the spoils. What does that mean? We rejoice as. Listen, we got spoils from this guy. What's the spoils? Righteousness free from your works. I give you holiness defined by who he is and not what you do. I give to you. And how do we rejoice in that day? Because who's going to take it from us? Because the enemy has been conquered. So what it says is, there's no more enemy. The enemy has been conquered. It says that the work has been done. So what is for us? For us is to reign like kings. Amen. And rest in who He is. Amen. We are resting in what is done. We don't work anymore to get God to bless us. We don't do that anymore. Because we've got a different type of a rejoice. I remember when I was under the law. I would rejoice and I would say, Oh Lord, I rejoice before you. Hallelujah. Because I said this, God lives in the praises of His people. So if I praise enough, then God lives in the praises of His people. So now if I praise enough, then I'm going to get the presence of God. Hallelujah. And then I'm going to get dizzy. And I'm going to feel the power. I'm going to feel the, you know, the, the, those goosebumps. Get everything. The same emotion when we sing Liefeling when the blowbill is peeled. You feel it. Why? Because you're just concentrating on, on that reality. That's all. Vanilla stem sing. You know, the English doesn't do anything for me. So sing. Bless God. This my land, praise God. You know, that's what I feel and I cry. 
I cry. Every time we sing that, I cry. With the World Cup soccer, Salom Sang and Ailak. And that is just simply an attachment to some reality. But my joy was, I'm going to lift up Jesus higher. Because if I can lift Jesus high through my praise for everybody to see, then He's going to draw all people to my church. <laughs> lift Jesus higher. Lift Jesus higher. He said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. Use that verse. And I had a joy, rejoicing in the Lord. Why? Because I want my church to grow. No, I've been taught that. I did that. But that is not what that verse even means. That Jesus said there, if I, the thing is John 12, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all judgment unto me. The judgment of men I'll draw unto me. Because I have not come to judge the world, but to be judged. Isn't that awesome? I mean, not understanding, getting a type of worship that does not fit with what Christ has done for us. So, in this time, I want to tell you, <clears throat> listen to this. It says here, in verse 7, of the increase of, he will be called, he will be called, wonderful, counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Listen to verse 7. And the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end. Of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end. Hallelujah. I want to tell you that this grace message, the message of His peace, is not something that you get a little bit today, and that's it. Your peace will just increase. You'll enter more into rest. You, you will find Him living in you. It's not you doing, it's Him living. It's not I who went out onto that outreach. I tell you, it's the life of God in me. When I came back, I said, if my wife and family was with me, I would have stayed another month and just share the gospel with the people. Hallelujah. When I'm here, I feel a passion in my heart to teach people the message of grace. Why? Because it's the gospel of His grace working in me. Amen. Of the increase of His peace, there will be no end. What does the Bible say? Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. So there's just one thing. More grace. Understanding more of His grace. Applying grace in every area of your life. Amen. Right. Let's go to um, 1 Corinthians 11. I want to just connect this to the communion. We're going to have communion together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 26, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till He comes. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord in an unworthily, uh, the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let every man examine himself, and so let him eat and, um, of the bread and drink of that cup. For he that eats and drinks unworthily, eats and drinks damnation to himself, listen to this, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many asleep. For if you would judge yourselves, you would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. Now, let me explain that. 
You know, I remember when I was going to the communion table <clears throat> years ago, I would go and first examine myself. You know, am I worthy, Lord? And then you will think in about a, a span of two weeks, have you done anything wrong? Did you have a wrong thought about somebody? Are you in a wrong relationship with somebody? Um, do you have any sin in your life? Because you must come worthily unto the temple, unto the communion of God, having no sin. And then I would go confess all my sin, say, Lord, thank you. And then I would take the bread and I would be, just make sure that I've got no sin because if I eat anything, having any sin, I'm bringing a curse over myself. Okay? I, I lived like that. You know, and I know many people live like that. Thinking the communion must be taken in a worthy manner, qualifying worthy as how you live. Now, that is not the case in 1 Corinthians 11. If, if only those that are sinless can take communion, who can take communion? Nobody. I want to tell you that communion, the blood of Jesus and the body of Jesus is for the sinner. The problem that I see in church is the moment somebody sins, the first thing they do when they excommunicate him is they, refuse, they say that his children are not allowed to be baptized. I remember when I was in the Dutch Reformed Church. You're not allowed to buy, baptize your children and you are not allowed to take communion. That's what the man needs. The guy needs the communion. He is where he is because he does, he's not partaking of the communion. That's what he really needs. But the problem is he doesn't know what it's all about. He doesn't discern the body of Jesus, doesn't discern the blood of Jesus. Let me give you a bit of background on 1 Corinthians 11. You know what they did? They didn't know what the communion was all about. They didn't know what it meant when the body of Jesus was broken. That, that it actually meant that the embodiment of, the, of, of a human being having a relationship with God on the basis of the law has been broken to pieces. And that there is not such a body anymore. It is died, it's broken. So if I eat of that, the word eat means also to believe. When I believe, when I eat that bread and I say, I believe that his body was broken for me. Meaning that the body that stood, the physical body that stood before God in relation, in relation to God on the basis of the law has been broken. It's gone, it's dead. And I partake of that body. In other words, I'm saying, I believe that I am not standing on a law relationship with God anymore, but in the perfection of His resurrection. That's taking the, 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 the body in a worthy manner, meaning you are discerning the body of Jesus. He says here, you don't discern the body. That's why you're taking it in an unworthy manner. If you can discern the body, in other words, if you can know what it means, then you're taking it in a worthy manner. For these people took it in an unworthy manner. What did they do? They came and they simply said, well, this is just an eating and drinking party. That's all they said. You can read it here. Let me read it to you. It says, Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. He says, listen, you didn't even wait for each other. 
And you, you won't come in together saying as a congregation, we are taking together, believing what this stands for. He says, you didn't even wait for another. He says, and if any man is hungry, let him eat at home. And you come not together unto condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. So, uh, there's even another verse here, I've, I've just skipped it here. He says, some of you, you come together, and that's just to eat to fill your stomach, and other people are hungry. Some of you are even drunk at the church meeting. That's what he wrote to them. They came to church, they had a fat party, eating, then the poor didn't have all that food, so they obviously, there was people over there, sitting there, yes, the people with all the food, eating, thinking it's just a meal. Not knowing, discerning what it was all about. Saying, we are reminding ourselves of why his body was broken. When his blood flowed, it meant that the blood, the life, that was in Jesus, the very life inside Him, flowed out of Him, so that that life is destroyed forevermore. Meaning that the life we lived under the law and condemnation was embodied in Jesus and flowed out of Him. And if you go and read, uh, uh, even uh, um, Jesus was crucified outside the temple, outside Jerusalem, you know, outside He was crucified, there He was crucified, if you go and read Uh, Revelation 14, it talks about the crucifixion of Christ. I believe that, you can differ from me, I believe it talks about the crucifixion of Christ. He was standing there, the Bible says, He alone treaded the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of God. Amen. And the blood that ran out from that was up to the horses, but no way, somewhere here. What does it mean? That that blood that flowed out of Him was for everybody. That was the life of every man embodied in Jesus that flowed out of that body. Then that, bo- that bloodless, dead body was buried and raised. And in today in the veins of the resurrected Jesus is no more blood but the very glory of God. Keeping Him alive. Amen. And He is the very embodiment of every person representing every man. His life is your life. So when we take that, we say, thank you God, that I am worthy because of you. I am righteous because of you. I believe that your body, the body of the law was broken, the life of the law flowed out of you, and all sin has been destroyed in that body, all sickness has been destroyed in that body, and I qualify before you. You cannot examine yourself Oh God, sorry for this. Oh God, sorry for this. And then say, you come holy by sin confession to come and partake of the blood of Jesus. No, no, no. It's the blood that cleanses you. We are not celebrating how we'll become holy. We are celebrating our holiness, discerning what His body has done for us. So, what does it say? We come, when we come to this table, we are rejoicing as in the day of harvest and the day of the sharing of the spoils. That's a worthy manner. Amen. That's a worthy manner. Let me just give you an uh, end off with this example. Say my son comes in an unworthy manner to our table. We, my wife made food, she put it on the table. What would be an unworthy manner? Standing at the door, saying, Mama, I can not Want ek het vandag vir my maaikie geskree by die school. Vergewe my ears. If you can forgive me, mommy, for doing this, then I know I am holy enough to enter the kitchen to come and eat some of this lekker hoener and 
whatever you've made for me. Gee met een klap man. Hoort wakker boetie, kom jyt, hier is jou huis, I'm your dad, this is your mom, you are our son. What happened at school has got nothing to do with this table. This is our provision for you. Hallelujah. We don't come to the table trying to be worthy, investigating our life. No, no. The only judgment that you make is, am I discerning what this is for? Oh God, listen, the most unworthy manner people take the communion in is the way it's been taken traditionally all the time. That's unworthy manner. Worthy manner is discerning what it's for. These people didn't know what it was for. Not discerning, not knowing what the body stood for, not knowing what the blood stood for. Remember Adam Cain? He ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. How did he eat of it? He believed in the system of works. How do we, Jesus said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will have no part in me. How do we eat his flesh and drink his blood? Believing on what it stands for. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. I just felt in my heart we ending off this year by taking communion and um, thanking God that we are worthy because of the Lamb. Thanking God that we are righteous before Him. Thinking of every person, that every person was represented in Christ. That He was treading the winepress of the fierceness of God. And the blood flowed, you know, more blood than what anybody could ever imagine. You know, and that was the vision. It means it flooded the earth, covering every man's sin. The life of every man flowed out of Jesus and died. If one died, then all are dead. And we partake of a broken body, saying, thank you God. We, eat, we drink His blood. Thank you Lord, that your blood flowed for me. And that our expectation is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen. Let's close our eyes. <clears throat> Father, I want to thank you that you are such a good God. I want to thank you that every person that is here can have just one Reference, and that is looking into your glory, knowing they are looking into a mirror, beholding in the glory of God themselves. Thank you, Lord, that the, the perfection of Christ is ours. The holiness of Jesus is our holiness. That it's not just a holiness that we behold in a theory. It is the truth. It is who we are. We are that in the mighty name of Jesus. And thank you that we can stand and speak from this glory. We can live from this platform of holiness. And thank you, Father, that as I just take this bread and break it, we thank you that, th that this body of death was broken. The body that carried sin was broken forever. The condemnation, that body where we carry condemnation, where we carry guilt, has been broken forevermore. And we shall never walk in condemnation ever again. You have come to set us free. And we discern that we are not part of a body of death anymore. But we are part of a body of life. Thank you Lord that as we partake of this, we declare that the curse of sickness, the curse of, of poverty, the curse of struggling, the curse of condemnation has been broken 
over our lives. It's more than been broken. It died 2,000 years ago and was buried. And thank you, Lord, that the new body is raised by the Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I thank you for the blood that flowed for us and that our sins has been washed away 2,000 years ago. And now, as we partake of this, our minds are cleansed from an evil conscience, being conscious of sin. Thank you, Lord, that where communion was always a time of being conscious of sin, today it is a consciousness of innocence and not a consciousness of sin. For we have been set free by the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.